Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. I'm Dr. Sonny Spira and I am filling in for Drew as Drew takes care of family matters and business matters and is enjoying his time off, but we look forward to Drew's return. That's a hint, Drew. And uh, as we move forward, I am so delighted and so privileged to talk to someone that I'm a big fan of and I've listened to her and I've met her through Drew through the Fee for Service podcast. Uh, We've become friends, I would call us. I hope she would say the same thing, but uh, I, I consider us definitely friends and um, I enjoy seeing the things that she puts out there, her posts, her her very eloquent speaking and very, very, to me, very cerebral approach to what she does is phenomenal. And let me give you a background. Dr. Nicole Vane was born and raised in Northern California. She attended the University of California, Berkeley, graduating with a degree in biology. That's a separator right there. Dr. Vane received her doctorate in dental medicine to Tufts University in Boston. Wow, that's awesome. Top of her class graduating and above the 95th percentile on the national boards. She was a recipient of numerous awards, including the Pierre Fichard International Honor Society. She strives to achieve continued academic excellence by learning new techniques in all phases of dentistry, completing hundreds of hours of continuing education every year, And in her free free time, she's interested in competitive long-distance running, has to be competitive, running, surfing, and tennis. She maintains an active membership of many local study clubs, including Invisalign Study Club, San Diego Dental Society, California Dental Association, ADA, and the AACD, American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. So without going further, because we could talk for an entire podcast, on your history. Welcome, Dr. Nicole. So happy Thank to have you. Thank you for having me. Thank you oh. for having me. Really I'm so excited. It. I'm so excited. Um, I didn't know you went to Tufts. How'd you feel when you left California? Different world, huh? Oh, you know, it was it was so good. I, I knew I'd always end up back here in California. Um, because you know, native Californian, but I didn't grow up near the beach. So the cold weather definitely drove me here to San Diego. I just wanted, if I was going to start over and start my career, I wanted to be somewhere I wanted to be. 
but I'm really grateful for my time on East. There's a lot about the East Coast that I feel very aligned with. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was nice to kind of get those four years and really feel like I understood what it's like to live in the snow <laughs> and That's wear right. my preppier clothes, not just socks <laughs> and stuff. I haven't even given half of that up. I wear what I'm saying is a little more of my East Coast flair today. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I'm really, really glad. And I met obviously the, the great friends that I made. Um, Fantastic. So yeah. you you graduated, uh, t- uh, Tustin, what year was it? 2003. 2003. Like coming up on, on 20 years. That's nothing. Crazy. You're a baby. Um, so, so 2003, you graduated. Then just, just let's go, let's get a little bit of your background. Uh, yeah. I'm going to spend about 10 or 15 minutes just so people can really get an understanding of where you came from, uh, the phenomenal growth that you experienced when you got into your own private practice. Um, just give people a little you know, what do they call it? An elevator ride kind of pitch. So just to give us a little background of yourself. Well, when I, when I graduated, um, very different time than it is now, mm-hmm. you know, what we thought was high debt. Uh, mine was about 300,000. That's nothing now, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I graduated with a 2.8% loan interest rate back then. That was the fixed rate. I didn't have to negotiate it. So it, it was less of a debt burden than it is now. Um, still significant. Yeah, it, it really was. It, it still is. I haven't paid it all off. Um, but I came out to San Diego and I wanted, my goal was to find a mentor and to work with someone, get my feet wet. I was really confident coming out of school. I might actually say cocky. And, you know, it's ironic that all this continuing ed 20 years later, I'm the most humble dentist with my daily practice in that you see all the stuff that goes on, not just with your own work, but with others, the longer you're around. So, but I was, I was very cocky coming out. So I was looking to just get out, produce. I I didn't want to do an AEGD or a GPR. Mm -hmm. I think if I graduated today, I would um, just to learn more. Um, So got out looking just to, to wherever I could work. And I, I joke with Drew, I was a dental whore. I would literally work anywhere, all day. There's something to be learned from every practice. That's true. So I ended up um, at you know, some PPO mill practices, um, not, not corporate dentistry. That wasn't really a big thing when I got out. And um, I ended up in two long-term associateships that I was hoping would be partnerships. One that was fee-for-service in La Jolla, um, mm-hmm. very wealthy clientele, which is a struggle when you're first out of school to learn yep. the verbiage and all that. And um, turned out not being a good fit because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to talk to people about big cases. I really looked up to the dentist that I worked for. And ironically, I thought she was so old and she's my age. Like now was her age then. So I thought, oh my gosh, she's 15 years older. Oh, she knows so much. And it was just funny because I don't feel like an old lady. <laughs> There was a lot I learned about what I didn't want to do also. Sure. I wasn't a very organized leader. Um, so I ended up in this family practice, stayed there almost 10 years, long-term associate again, built myself from one day to five days thinking I'd buy in. And I'm so glad that fell apart because it wasn't a good mentorship. It wouldn't have been a practice I wanted to buy knowing what I know now. And God has a plan where things just work out beautifully, where you take away the good from everything. And so 
um, after that point, I just started looking and it took me three years to find uh, practice that I could buy, really competitive area out there where practices go, even poor practices that, that aren't good financials will go, you know, with the bidding war. So um, ended up in this startup practice um, across the street from the beach. That's what did it for me. I didn't want to do a startup. Always again, wanted to have a two doctor partnership practice, collaborative, we cover for each other, helpful. Mm -hmm. And that's just not where I've ended up. So um, opened six and a half years ago and um, expanded um, significantly. And uh, as I shared on the previous podcast, just a lot of growing pains, a lot of growing pains. Again, that mentorship I thought I had, um, I just really wasn't given some tools that I think would have been really helpful for me to come out of the gates, not only uh, building a practice with growth trajectory that's great, but also like how to manage the financials and a team in a way that's really healthy so that you're not constantly on this um, scary treadmill. Let me ask you a question, okay? Uh, you brought up a couple of points that I, I want to I expand a little bit upon. Or like Drew, Drew talks about, let's unravel that a little bit. Yes, yeah. I, I love the way he says it. Drew, I still love you, brother. Um, the, the, when you said you went into the mentorship in the, the high high end wealthy area in La Jolla, let's talk about mm -hmm. that for a second. Okay. How did the mentorship work? Did you spend time outside of the office talking about things? Did you spend lunch times going? How did it truly happen, or was it just osmosis? Like I'm here, I'm overhearing her talk. How did the the mentorship experience for you? How did that work? And then how would you do it differently? The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Yeah, so that's a great question because at the time, it was just me being this little happy shadow to try and yeah. if I had time in between patients to try and um, see what she said, see how she handled things, look at her before and afters. But she never took me through, um, for instance, being a cosmetic practice, like her photography series and her camera settings. It was just like I'd watch her taking pictures. And then when I'd ask more, she's who turned me on to taking, I took the full Hornbrook continuum back in 2005. So it was, you go out um, at the time for several days at a time and you take uh, a full arch uh, occlusion, photography, uh, treatment planning. It was pre the whole spear spectrum too, but I really think Dr. Hornbrook's a phenomenal teacher. So I learned a lot of stuff there. I didn't have the cases. So then I would use the knowledge I gained at the course and watch her and how she did it and then ask questions. So there was so no there's, structure. There's no, no structure, structure no handholding. Um, she's very lackadaisical dentist. Her father, it was her father's practice. Um, so like I would have fillings on my schedule and it would just say fillings, not tooth number, not surfaces, not here's an intro on the patient. Um, with these really highly demanding fee-for-service patients, they don't have to be demanding hers were. Uh, there was no huddle. There was no handoff, no nothing. So you're kind of thrown in, and sometimes it's like, my goodness, this person's a phobic. 
they're crying in the chair. Is it because I'm new? What, what would she do differently? I wasn't given a lot of those tools and I definitely um, would do that for someone um, that I brought in under me now if the tables were turned. Uh, I would do a lot more on um, calibration on how to treatment plan and how, how I talk to patients. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be something I would want to onboard someone with. Um, and just giving them a good intro to the team and their dynamics. Um, yeah, I just kind of learned by sniffing around. I would do my own chart audits and and look around at, in between patients if I wasn't full and look at case pans that she sent to the lab and, and whatnot. But it wasn't a, a true mentorship. Yeah, so we're, we're going to, the topic of today's uh, podcast is team building for your front office business team. But I, yeah. I, I, I want to, because I, I, this is relative and I'm, I'm, this is personal for me on this end is we have, uh, there are seven doctors we have now. And my, the sixth wow. doctor that just came in was my son, Marcus. And and he grew up in the practice, right? So he, he, you know, he's lived it. He worked and he shredded papers for a couple summers. I mean, he did. He worked in the lab. He helped, uh, you know, making dentures and Kevin and, and Rose and Heather. And so he had that experience. But when he started as an associate, you know, he 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 said to me, he said, "Well, it would have been nice to have some type of manual, some type of um, 100%, description yeah. of, you know." procedures and how you do these things. And you think about it, right? When you bring in your dental assistant, you don't just say, here you go, sit, start watching, learn. You give them some guidance. You give them, I'm sure, I, 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 I'm guessing knowing you that it's probably a fairly detailed, this is our job expectations. Here's how it breaks down. I know you've done videos on procedures. I yeah. know you've really scientifically made this so awesome. I heard that in one of your podcasts with Drew and um, so, you know, I don't you think that, boy, we, we, we spent, we spend the time with some of our team and we don't spend the time like that with our docs. I mean, boy, that's a swing and a miss in my opinion. It really is. And it's also finding the person that's really receptive to that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was just this little, um, panting dog following them around looking for scraps, like throw me something. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll lick it off the floor type thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I haven't encountered as much of that people seeking that out where teach me how do you do this it's more like mm, i feel pretty confident i've done this a while i'm going to go on facebook if the, my patient yeah. cancels you too. i'll leave for lunch for two and a half hours sit outside yeah. not like pick it hey, up. let's go over let's go over how to treatment plan and calibrate because again when you're onboarding someone and that includes front office back office it's really important like even um what i would do now when we talk about how i'm training the team is no, the treatment coordinator, you're going to come look at me do these exams. So you're hearing the verbiage so that we're very aligned mm-hmm. so that I'm not talking about bonding. And then you say, well, let's get you back for those feelings. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the language is so important. Um, and our analogies and our demeanors and my best analogies I've stolen from other people. You know, I call it the pearls, right? Yeah. So with it, with it's an associate, if it's a treatment planner, if it's a, your lead assistant, um, if you have a concierge for sleep or ortho, they really should know how you as the doctor present things so that they can mirror it, mm-hmm. especially if you've built success off of it. Like, why not copy success? Again, that, that's where I've stolen all my best stuff. I, I look back and the, and the, the first act was my partner. Uh, Brian and the amount of time that he spent at my house 
um, together doing things. I mean, the, the, the number of conversations that we talked about everything was immense. So the, the, you know, we have a new doc in with us now and I'm trying to make sure that I spend as much time with him as I can outside of the office and just to get to know each other, just to talk. And, and like you said, the analogies and the things like it's so often, it's not, how do you prep an MOD? It's really, how do you present the treatment plan? How do you answer the patient's questions and concerns? How do you address their needs? How, how do you personalize it for them? And how does it feel natural for you? Like I would say, okay, here's something that I feel comfortable saying. And I would say, okay, so you have this, we can do X, we can do Y, blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to incorporate that into his own verbatim or verbiage that's comfortable for him. But I think it does help align us because with the number of docs and work in different offices, we want to make sure that we have a consistency in yeah. treatment planning and in delivery so that whether you see doc one in office two or doc three in office four, doesn't matter. It should be the same. So that yeah. takes a tremendous amount of work. And I think the result is, and I think what happens, and it's almost like I'm going to make an excuse for Dennis is you get busy being busy. Yeah. That and, and we're always told, you know, asses and seats and patients and chairs and, you know, just be busy because you got to produce because you got to pay bills, et cetera, that you fail to you, you kind of neglect some of the relationships that you need to build with your team or your doctors, you know, like the mentorship you talked about that that's it's just it's unfortunate. But the fact that you and think about what you said, right, you said I came out cocky. Yet yeah. I'm groveling for crumbs. So you might have felt that, but you certainly, in my opinion, you certainly didn't exhibit that. You're like, I'm willing to learn. And I was the same way. I went in with two young docs, and each one had a floor in the office, how it was set up. And it was four operatories, two hygiene, two doctor operatories. And, and I filled in, and I sort of worked around their schedules. I didn't often work with them. So I didn't get the opportunity to absorb that. We went to lunch yeah. one day a week off into McDonald's on a Tuesday. And I was like, just, just sit back and listen, mm -hmm. you know, and it was, you know, everything from how do you handle a root canal? How do you handle a mom who doesn't want you to use it, the curing light on their son's composite? And, you know, it was a vast array. It wasn't the technique stuff, which like you talked about, I took the horn. You want to learn all these different techniques, tools and skill sets, but really it's the communication part that, that is just so, so vital. So it, it really is. And, you know, that's, that's the hardest part in, in dentistry for, for me as a practice owner, when I, I'm, I'm so want to communicate the failures and how I've been working to amend them, but that yep. has been my greatest struggle is team calibration, um, constantly. And the, the reason is it's, it's a drain. It's an, it's invigorating. I love connecting with the team. But when you brought up the videos, I thought initially when I did those, well, you're, I'm going to onboard you and you just watch the videos. And if you have a question, let me know. Right. Okay, great. Uh, that's not that successful. You have to keep checking in. Hey, I noticed you did this. Let's, let's talk again about handoffs. Mm, there's a lot of subtleties to language. You said this. Let me just show you how it feels differently if you said it with just these extra two words or your body language or... Um, you know, when they're complaining at the front about, oh, this patient's so difficult. I'm like, well, you know what their objection is. And they're like, oh, what? 
fear. This is how their, their fear is. This is how I would address it. I would ask more open-ended questions. Um, be patient. Your body language should be like, you know, knee to knee and, and have them in a private space if you're discussing this because it's not just about money. Do you so, role play a lot? Uh, I do now. And I think that's made the biggest difference. Well, it's, it, it's such an uncomfortable feeling. Yes. But it's always so productive. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, like one of my assistants, and I, I love her dearly. I tell her, I call her my dental child because I raised a couple, uh, raised a couple of them from the ground up. They knew nothing. Yeah. And she'll, she'll literally, her eyes will brim with tears if I call her out. And she's just nervous, mm -hmm. but she knows I trust her and believe in her. I'm like, hey, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but this is important. She's a shy person. And the amount of evolution I've gotten from just having those uncomfortable conversations over the past year or saying, hey, I don't think that went that well. Can I tell you a few things that would have helped? And she's like, no, I didn't think so either. I'm so sorry. I'm like, well, let's not focus on apologies. Let's just focus on what we, what we can take away from it. Next mm -hmm. time, let's do that, that, that. So it's, that's been really helpful in, in grooming the team. Um, you know, I was telling Drew on uh, the last time we spoke that COVID was a, a big blessing for me, a time to unplug from the practice and focus on it for the first time where, you, you know, you're not just completely heads deep in, in dentistry all day. Yeah. You're not working and, in your practice, you're working yes. on your practice. And, you know, there's so many dentists I look up to, um, you being one, um, the difference though between me and them was I, I love dentistry and I'm very busy with dentistry. So when I was looking at how I wanted to change my practice, I've always heard the have the one-to-ones, have the team meeting, have this, have this. It just takes a lot of us, a lot of our time. And I didn't know where to get that time. It is, you know, how am I going to have a breakout session with the hygienist? Then I have a one-to-one -one with this person and then have a 30-day with this person and 60-day with this person. And now this person's not having a good week. So now I need to have another one-to-one. -one. When should I talk to them? All those things that are so important, they're draining. They are. Um, and it's, it's, you don't get the good results without going through that, unfortunately. And so some of the people that I look up to and they're like, oh, I've, I've tailored down to two days a week. I'm like, well, of course they have time for this. They're not clinical this many days. So it was really, that was my biggest obstacle is finding ways to make the time and to honor it. Or even like yesterday, I blocked an office meeting for my back office to go over some things that happened while I was out. And I'm like herding cats. Hey, you guys ready yet? You ready yet? You ready yet? Time for the meeting. Ready? Like you, you have to keep reinforcing because they're like, "Oh, is that really happening?" I mean, because um, I ran 15 minutes longer with the, the patient. Oh, oh yeah, um, I'll, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. You know. So it's still even after all this time, um, it's it's not always easy to get everyone aligned. You know, I want to make it fun and order in lunch and all these other things, and then everyone's like, "Did yours come with mayo?" And you're like. Hey, people, like, this is supposed to be a productive meeting. I don't want to spend the first 30 minutes talking about how yummy your side salad was or whatever. Like, this is business. But it's it's really worth the investment. So it, it took me having that time to make that shift and really reflect on where I was at personally. Um, did I like myself as a leader? And then where I was at with the team 
and it's I ended up turning over almost everyone and it was the best decision I could have made um, because your choice lost, or their choice uh, my choice um, I will say I lost a couple more I, I noticed you and Drew talked about that on the last podcast um, and in fact it's just so common for everyone right now I had a doctor call me for a job reference for a team member that I had separated with um, my choice uh, last January, pre-COVID or end of January. Yeah. And um, he had three team members that were ranging from 15 to 25 years with him. His entire front office turnover just recently. They just can't take it anymore. So he's looking for these team members and it was really interesting uh, with the, I don't want to say the new me, but asking him questions on this job reference check. I was like, you know, the, would you hire again? Yeah, she's, she's, I like her, but let me ask what you're hiring her for. Mm-hmm. Will she be supervised? And he's like, why does she need supervision? Um, are you fee for service? Do you build in or out a network? She can thrive in this environment. I would not put her in this chair. And he was like, oh, wow. It's like, you're gonna need someone checking over this, 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 but she can definitely do the task. She just makes a lot of, there's a lot of oversight. So if it's detail oriented. And it was interesting just to talk about this person because the, I, I, I like people and I wanna be liked. And that's a flaw that a lot of us have. The problem is that was my hiring. And when you're talking about taking people to lunch, I, all the time I spent with previous associates or interviewing was just me seeing how much I liked them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get you a good relationship working wise. Because ultimately, even the people I have parted with, I liked them all. Uh, well, not, not yeah. in the past seven years, it's not all I, I liked as much on exit. But there but, are, I, you know, we fall in love with people and yeah. um, it needs to be a more intense diving in of the relationship. Like if you're dating, it's like, do you want kids? Do you want to stay in this state? Do you want to move? How do you view your finances? What's Mm -hmm. your religious background? Mm -hmm. You can't just say like, oh, well, he's Jewish and I'm Catholic, but it's all good. Like I'm totally good with him being Jewish. It's like, well, are you going to celebrate Hanukkah? What if he wants to not do Christmas? Like, how do you, are you gonna have kids? You have to have the hard conversations yeah. mm-hmm. with people because that's what life is. The yeah. relationship will end if you're not aligned. Yeah. And so that's what I've done differently this time. You stuck so, your you stuck your neck out on that uh, on that recommendation because I mean they'll tell you that you're really right. Right. What we can say is what their job was and how long they worked here. So. Um, you know, I'm glad that you and the dentist had that personal connection on that, on that, uh, employee. Um, but that, I mean, you stuck your neck out there. So I did, I, but I didn't say anything bad. I did say I would hire again. I just uh-huh. wouldn't hire her for a leadership role. Uh-huh. So that's, well, it's, it, it's, it, it is interesting. I think the more that we become comfortable in our own skin, the more we're able to talk in terms of redefining the question. And you do that. I think that with patients, you know, like, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, the one joke to one patient was like, you know, I mean, hey, when I get done with this, I mean, will I be able to play the piano? And I was like, you know, yeah, of course you can. And they're like, well, I couldn't play it before. So, yeah. So, so now when a person says something like that, I'm like, well, were you, you know, it, it leads me to ask them more 
questions in terms of trying to understand where their questions come from. So that's a great technique. That's, that's fantastic. Well, and it's been um, really being honest with people on the interview. Uh, you know, we all have all had it now in certain areas. It's just as desperate as it was before. Like you're like, I can't get anyone. I've been running an ad for forever. No, it's worse. Yeah. And the first, so I would hire out of desperation. I need someone. I need someone now. Everybody. Mm -hmm. It's it's just not good. Mm -hmm. um, it's not good for the practice. And the really the biggest distinction is even when talking about that previous employee, she would do well in just a standard PPO practice where they just get the benefit breakdown from eAssist or Trojan, a printout. They don't they don't even want to look at it. They just want to see if they're active. And then they want Dentrix, Eaglesoft, whatever, to print out a treatment plan. And then they're like, here is your treatment plan. I'm just going to sign it to you. You have some fillings and some other stuff. Do you want to schedule? Mm -hmm. that, that'll work a lot of places. But if you want to go fee for service and offer something different, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, hearing uh, your conversation with Drew last week, he wanted to hire this. And I, I, what resonated with me is I wanted the same thing. I wanted a team of winners and I wanted to just find them. Can you come in and do this for me? I want you to come in and be my lead assistant. Have you ordered before? Yeah. Oh, you've done Sarah? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you can just roll with me all day long and figure out exactly how I'm thinking, how I'm going to roll, what my mm -hmm. treatment flow is. You'll know it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how to do Invisalign? Cool. Yeah. Okay, great. You're an ortho assistant? Perfect. No, you still have to check their attachments, explain how you do IPR, explain how you treatment plan when you come in. I just didn't have the time I felt before to spend with them. And I actually didn't have the tools. And that was the hardest part for the front office. I wanted to have some consultant come in and none of them do tell you how to do the ins and outs of what a daily practice should be. I didn't know how to run an outstanding claims report. I didn't know how to audit credits. I didn't know. I, I look at my AR, I look at the number, and then I would have conversations with people. So it's just like if you take your associate to lunch or your treatment coordinator, are we talking about our plans for Christmas? Or are we talking about our goals for the next three, six months, one year, and how we can be better aligned on what our goals are and how we do things? Um, so I. I'm looking now at how to dissect and it just took me having to go through the growing pains of, of learning. And with the whole COVID thing, I've had a little more time to focus on some of these things because um, I had some team members go remote too. And all of a sudden when I, when I checked in after things ramping back up and we reopened, it was, it was a disaster. Like I, people, some people are not good at working remote. And I was, again, you're in that bind of like, well, I have some new team members now and they're still training and they're not gonna know this. And I know I can count on this person and Susie's so wonderful and she's been with me for seven years. And we're not seeing how badly they're spiraling the drain with the, the stress of homeschooling and getting their flow. And maybe they're working at, in their kitchen with their four kids behind them. And you're wanting them to be the, the same billing expert they were pre-COVID when they're sitting at the desk with you there. I'm sorry, it's a different game. Yeah, and people, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. 
If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.